You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Yes, Jesus. Just as as we transition, you know, you can't leave moments like that. Just if you can snap in and out of moments like that, I don't know how you do it. But I just love when we sing songs to Jesus and about Jesus because he's really what it's all about. And I really never, ever again in my life want to change the subject from this is all about Jesus. I heard somebody say this weekend that when I forget all about me in worship, then I've entered into true worship. (laughs) When I forget all about me in worship, when being self-conscious and it being about what I get, my breakthrough, my whatever it is, and those are all things, breakthrough, healing, all those things are important. It's the gospel. But when I forget all that and I, tr- and I just worship Him because He's worthy, that's when I enter into true worship. Isn't that great? And the things that we long for, the things that we need happen because He wants them to happen more than we want them to. He paid for them a long, long time ago. 2,021 years ago, we saw it come into fruition. But before the world was created, He'd already done it in His heart. They'd already, the host of heaven had already come into agreement. They're like, this is, this is what's going down, right? This is what's going to happen. The son's going to go. He's going to pay for all this so that I can get my kids back. <laughs> so that we, so the, the family that I always dreamed it would be will actually take place. And that there'd be true intimacy in the, in the earth with the God that created the ones that were created in intimacy. <laughs> When you, bring, when you bring a creation into the, into, the, into the planet, right? When God gifts you with a child, that, that, I mean, you can't get any more intimate than that particular act of that child coming into the, into the planet, right? How would it be any different for when the Father created each one of us, right? We were already created in His heart and in His mind, he chose, that's how he chose us before the foundation of the world. We were already there. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? It answers some questions for some of us of whether or not, you know, am I supposed to be here? I, does he love me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it, it, it answered those questions. And when we, when we get into worship and we just sing to Jesus and about Jesus, those things, those truths that he's always wanted us to know, they just they begin to crush lies and just really come into the foundation of who we are. I, I had I felt like when Jesus was I was um, studying or just reading. I don't know if I was studying. I was reading um, yesterday and I felt just compassion well up in me. You know, and it's I'm like, where's this? Why is you know I'm reading this particular passage. I may read it today, and I'm. Um, I'm like, Jesus, where's this coming from? I've read this passage quite a few times. Why is it moving me differently? He's like, it's really not about the passage. It's because compassion is being birthed in you in a new way. And it's because 
I've always wanted it to be there. Like I've always wanted you to well up with compassion in, in all situations. Oh, it's just embracing becoming love. And sometimes that's a, a, you know, all times it's a process. And then you're like this, I really want to be a representation of you on the planet. I want people to see a good, loving, compassionate father because that's who you are. And I was created in your image. And so the world needs to see you. They, need to, they, they don't need to see churchgoers. They, they need to see sons and daughters. Because we all know that going to church doesn't make us Christians any more than sitting on an airplane makes me an airplane pilot. Right? I really want to flow into that some more, but I, I'm going to stop right now because we have something very important and special to do in, in this moment. That was n None of that was, was planned, but um, hopefully I'll get to talk today about what I, I plan to anyway, about the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Um, but man, it's good to be with the family of God. I just love it, you know? I just love being with you guys. We had a great weekend last weekend, and um, it was a full weekend, and then Church of the Park. And I uh, played bocce ball for the first time in a lot of years since the last Italian picnic I've been to when I was a teenager, right? <laughs> bocce ball, right? It's like, yes. <laughs> They're like, you know this game? I'm like, yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm only familiar with playing it, though, when I am overly stuffed with pasta and all kinds of amazing Italian entree. <laughs> you're, like, you're just lethargic. I think they got me that way so they could beat up on me. You know what I mean? I'm <clears throat> gotcha ball, but <clears throat> Sean and Alicia, will you come on up here? You can hold the clapping for for just a moment. So let me, let me give you all center stage. So Sean and Alicia, uh, Sean Alicia's been with us for four four years, and Sean's been with us for a couple years now, and uh, then you know they fell in love here, maybe back in love, I don't know how they would put it, and, um, <laughs> and ended up getting, getting married here, l like literally right here. Um, so I think that there's some prophetic things that are probably signifying in this, but Sean and Alicia, um, unfortunately uh, for us, fortunately for them, they are transitioning into another ministry um, at our father's house, and this is uh, if, you, if you've been in church for a while, a little while, or a long time, you take note of how this is happening. This is the way that we as pastors would hope this always happens. This is healthy. This is what healthy kingdom looks like, right? Because we're one great big family, and we're not in the people keeping business, we're in the people building business, right? And so we, always, we are always supposed to want what's best for the people. And what's best is what God's saying for Sean and Alicia. They're transitioning out. And so we've had a great time with them. It's been, you know, it's been an honor and privilege to be able to serve you guys in, in the capacity that we have. And it isn't like when these things happen, we don't stop being family. Yeah. Right? F families, we're the family of God. Doesn't matter if you, you're in Australia, you're in China, you're in an underground church in North Korea, or you're right here in the U.S., or you go down the road to another church, we're all still the family of God. Doesn't matter what denomination you are, what you believe, or how we differ. We're just we're we're family, so we're not going to be stop stop being family with them. We're going to still see them at events. Um, some of the people they're going to are actually friends of ours, and 
and even closer friends to some of some of our uh, other spiritual kids. Um, so it's good. We're we're happy for you guys. We're happy that you're going to a place that we know that we can entrust your lives. And we're like, yes, they're going to build you further. They're going to help you grow in the kingdom. Um, and we're all still going to be running in this together in this region. So if you would, what we want to do is we want to bless. We call it a blessed exit. Um, and and uh, <laughs> You, you always want to, you always want to be sent versus being just going you just leaving, be sent not went. That's what they they call. I know it's not proper grammar, but it's what we say in the church world. And um, so you don't have to like it. It's just it just helps us to under, understand the concepts. Um, but so we're we're grateful that we get to bless you guys, and we believe that there's something that happens when you do this properly, and somebody literally blesses you, and you get the blessing of a house. Of what we particularly get to carry, they get released with that, that with that blessing upon them, you know. And there's something that will happen in the spirit today uh, that will benefit your guys' life, and that's what we want for all uh, of the people we get to serve. We want to see them run further, faster than we ever could, you know. That's the desire of our hearts. As is that over the next decades, we'll we'll be looking and we're like, my gosh, man. <laughs> See, look where Sean and Alicia ended up going. You know, look where God took them. Look what the fruit of their lives that happened. So thank you guys for, for doing this properly, and thanks for letting us be a part of your lives and continually being a part of your lives, though it will be in a different capacity. So help me pray if you just point your hands towards Sean and Alicia. Uh, Alicia. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> Father, we just, uh, I, I just felt like, yeah, just supposed to stand behind you guys. Um, just letting you know that that's where we'll always be. And then if we're behind you, you can't fall backwards, that you'll always be nudged or sometimes gently pushed into the direction that God wants you to continually go. There's something on your lives that are going to benefit those lives, that the people that you're going to and the people that you get to serve. And God's launching you out of this place to bring you into a new place so that you can continually grow into who He always dreamed you would be. And so, Father, we thank you for Sean and Alicia right now. We thank you for the time that we've had with them. Thank you for the continued relationship. Thank you for the blessing of this house upon them right now. We just release the blessing that you've released. It's your blessing, Lord. It's not ours. We release it upon their lives right now. We pray that it would benefit them far more than it's benefiting us currently and that you would stir them, Lord, into new, uh, new things, new things that they were created to walk in that this new season would bear new fruit, just like you always want new seasons too. And so thank you for the blessing of the Lord on their lives. We pray that it would do far more than any of us could ever ask, think, or imagine according to your power that works in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love you guys. Oh, and, uh, we'll, we'll hug some more before we leave. <laughs> Love you. Each one of you that got a card from us, mm. actually, if you open the envelope, it yeah. has a prophetic word for every single leader. Oh, thank you so much. That's near, near and dear to our hearts. And um, anybody that handwrites anything for me nowadays, it's real special. <laughs> it's because we don't do that a lot, right? I know I don't. So that was good. Thank you, Jesus. Love being able to do that and do it like I believe it's supposed to be done. Ah, where were we? <laughs> I'm not an airplane pilot. You got that, right? Yeah. 
Don't ever ask me to fly you anywhere. Yeah, Christians, we're not Christians because of what what we do. Hear me out here, okay? I want you to hear me. It's easy sometimes when, when somebody says something that differs from my current revelation um, that I have the tendency to lean towards filtering it through that and then shutting down and not actually hearing the fullness of the statement, and I rob myself of, of something new. Because we're always, always growing, right? We have a current level of revelation that will continue to grow as long as we remain teachable. And so that's what I want to do. <laughs> and so, and sometimes he offends my mind to get to my heart. He's done that to me so many times. And I'm grateful for it. Oh. So, Christian behavior, I, let me say it like this. I believe that unintentionally in the church, we have boiled down what a Christian is like because I don't do this and I do do this. I don't cuss, don't drink, don't smoke, don't go to these places, don't do this stuff, and that makes me a Christian. And then to the world, they think, well, that's what a Christian looks like. And then if I go into the church, this is what they're going to tell me, to dress like this, act like this, behave like this. I don't want anything to do with it. Right? But, so, but there's a lot of people outside of the church that don't have, uh, uh, aren't involved in a culture, like a, in a family, in a kingdom culture family, because of, of, that, of that teaching right there, that you're a Christian because you do this, and, you're not, and, you, and if you do do this, then you're not a Christian, or you're not acting like a good Christian, right? And so there's people that have a relationship with Jesus that aren't a part of families because they don't want, they don't want any part of, of, of that, but the only thing that actually makes us Christians is a born-again experience, my relationship with him, that I've been born again by the Spirit of God. No man be born again unless it, come, unless it comes through the Spirit, right? And that happens by faith. And then when I get born again, it actually transform, It begins to transform my mind into the experience that I've already had spiritually because I've become one with him, and that makes me a little Christ. Because we're one, right? Are you with me? Let me read some scripture to you. My goal oftentimes is to, is to now, is to target and, in a, and eliminate religious tradition and religious thinking. I'm not telling you that I got, I've cornered the market on this and got it all, all figured out, right? I have very little figured out. But, the more that I, I rest in him and will remain in intimacy with him, the more I see what religion looks like. And I've been full-fledged, head-first, religious, like you, like, you, like you probably wouldn't believe because you didn't see me there, right? And being religious or not being religious doesn't have anything to do with the way you dress when you come to church, the language you use, right? I've seen people that were just as religious that had a suit, on, uh, or I'm sorry, that were, were head to toe in tattoos and just wore t-shirts, 
as, as the, you know, and I've seen people that weren't religious at all that wore a suit all the time. It doesn't have anything to do with the exterior. I'm, I'm, I think God is trying to get us past what this exterior thing, that what we see. I mean, it literally says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we no longer actually have the right in Christ to regard anyone according to the flesh, but oftentimes we're constantly looking at how people talk, the way that they act, and the way that they dress to deem them whether or not they're, they're, they're Christians, they're Christians. I'll tell you in a little bit what I'm not saying, but I just want you to hang out there and be uncomfortable, okay? Amen. If it makes you uncomfortable, it's good. There, I'm so passionate about this particular topic because um, there are so many people that are coming in, that are, that, are look, that are longing and waiting to see what love really looks like. They're waiting for somebody to come into the darkness and, and love them. They're, they're waiting to because they can smell religion from a mile away. They're waiting for a place that they know they can come into however they are with all their mess and how they look and all that stuff, all their behavior and their characteristics, and that they won't be judged. They ain't, nobody's going to look at them sideways. And they're really going to love them into, and just love them like with no agenda. And they're coming. Like I can hear, they're, they're coming. There's, there's millions and millions and millions of people that are, are longing for the real Jesus. Yes. And you and I have him inside of us. Yes. We're one with him. But sometimes we have to, did you see that? Sometimes we have to strip away this stuff that we pick up that's learned behavior in the church. This says, I'm a Christian because this is what I do, or this is how I look, or this is how I dress on Sunday. Yes, I agree. There are some things that we should not wear. <laughs> or sometimes we should wear more, maybe. <laughs> I am not saying that we should talk any way we want to, act any way we want to, and then we have a relationship with Jesus. I, if, if, that's, if that is my behavior, and, and I say that I belong to Jesus, I just don't know who I am yet. Right, And I need to be discipled and loved into a place where we just had somebody say a couple weeks ago uh, on Wednesday night. I'm going to get to Romans 8 here in just a second. <clears throat> but literally, he spoke up and said, I don't want, he said, I don't want to do, and he had this list of things. He's like, I don't have the desire to do this stuff anymore. And it was stuff he was doing before he knew who he was as the son of God. He, he just didn't want to do it. I said, I said hold on, because I felt like it was a teachable moment. And I wasn't entirely sure that somebody hadn't told him, don't do this stuff anymore. I said, hey, did anybody tell you not to do that stuff? He said, no. He said, I just, he just, I just realized that it's not, it's not who I am anymore. And I'm like, that's the gospel right there. That's the gospel. That's a born again. Sometimes we need to get born again again, but that's a born again experience. And I'm not saying that somebody doesn't need to teach me truth, but they teach me the truth of my identity and that other stuff just changes, right? And I'm also not saying there isn't a time when we confront behavior when somebody's acting like an idiot, right? Please, if I, if I, I don't, I just don't, I, I don't think that I have the ability to act that way anymore. But if I did, I have people that would confront me, right? If I get outside my new nature, they say, hey, that's not who you are. But none of them had to give me a list of do's and don'ts. 
Because when I focus on behavior more than I focus on beliefs, I just need to read Galatians 1 through 3 again and realize that I didn't get into this thing by what I do. I got into it by faith. Religious traditions are going to be broken off of us, right? Because religion will not speak louder than truth. It won't. We won't allow it to. Jesus won't allow it to. His church is coming into a time of where religion is a thing of the past, that it's not about the steeple or the things that we, we look, the way that we look or the things that we do on Sunday, but it's actually an example of what real, genuine love looks like in every situation so that can, people can see the one true living God. Right? You know why we sing that? That, that you know, Allah didn't save me, Buddha didn't set me free, the universe didn't come down to reveal itself to me. Point people towards Jesus. Because none of those things, figurative little g-gods, are alive. They, they, they can't love you. They can't love you into freedom. And people need to know that, but they don't need to know it in just verbally. They need, they need to see it that you and I would be the living epistle that we already are. That we would embody the gospel. <laughs> That's what we're made for. <laughs> that I, I don't have to share the gospel with you before I show you the gospel. <clears throat> Whew, thank you, Jesus. So, Mark, actually, let's, you know what? Let's go to Mark chapter 3 first. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation because I like it. <laughs> I like it in all translations. I like what Smith Wigglesworth used to say. Some people read in, in Greek. Some people read in Hebrew. I like to read in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I thought that's good right there. <laughs> Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Let me stop right there for, for just a second. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Who were the people that he's talking about? That Mark was talking about? The religious leaders of the time. See a problem with that? They're the enemy of Jesus. What's that say to us? Religion's still an enemy to Jesus. Right? Okay. Verse 3. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, This is a side note, but religious mindset, one of the, good, one of the great indicators of it is, is criticism. Just let you have that, okay? <clears throat> i become critical of all things kingdom stuff. Selah. Verse 3, kid. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. <laughs> they were flabbergasted, baffled at this not so profound question. But it, it when 
when religion is faced with something that opposes it, it often shuts down because there's, there's, no, there's no right answer for, for it, right? Because even when you think the right answer, when you're religious, if you have a moment of clarity, you'll realize that doesn't even make sense. Because here are Pharisees, religious leaders, saying that they're getting ready to accuse Jesus if he does something good on the Sabbath. <clears throat> that, that doesn't make sense even in humanity, right? To do a good deed and, and to have something bad happen to you for it. Like the world doesn't even agree that that's right. <laughs> because like Thomas Aquinas said, that, that's, <clears throat> that's part of our, our nature that's in us. Whether we're born again or not, it's, we can all meet on a common ground that good deeds should be done to people. You know, unless somebody's just full of devils and evil, you know. But that's the only way somebody becomes really evil is if they're driven by the devil. Even though we were born in sin. We all have that. We can come and, and whether all different religions, we can all come together on this one common thing that good deeds should be done to people. Right? <laughs> so they wouldn't answer him. Verse 5, and he looked around and, and, and at them, he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. <clears throat> See, we often talk about how Jesus was he opposed religious re leaders so much, but you, you see here that there was a love and a compassion for them. And we can never leave that place. Because it's easy when we come out of religion, and I did this, is that the pendulum sling, swings all the way to the other side, which is just as unhealthy to be full-fledged into religion. And there's bad things that happen here, and I won't go into all of them, but one of them is, is that we start to turn back and criticize those that are still in religion. And the only way I got out was by grace. Like, like, it wasn't like I found my way out. You know what I mean? Jesus had to literally show me the steps and then get me to the door and then show me through it. Right? There was, I didn't do this on my own. Just like we didn't get into the kingdom on our own. And so there still should be a compassion. Even if we got hurt by religion or hurt in religion, <clears throat> there still should be a compassion inside of us for all those because they're still our brothers and sisters. And I don't want to guarantee it, but it's highly likely that all of us have a little bit of religious thinking still left in us. I know I do. <laughs> I'm convicted by some of the things I've already said this morning. <laughs> it's, all, it's always for me. It's always for me. I'm never, I'm never teaching you something that I have so firmly in my foundation that I can't learn something new. The only thing that is an absolute in the foundation of who I am is that Jesus is the only way, that he's king, that he's God, right? And everything that involves the gospel, and I'm supposed to love him and love people. That's all. <laughs> everything else is going to change over, over time, and, get, and I'm going to get more revelation out of it. <clears throat> That's why we use the phrase at times, I wouldn't go up on a hill and die for that. Like my current theology in a lot of places, I wouldn't go up on a hill and die for it. You know? You get what that means? <clears throat> like Jesus died, we went up on, you know, we went up on Golgotha the hill and he, di he died for <laughs> clearly what was the truth. 
That's the only thing I, I would currently go up on the hill and die for would be what he did. <laughs> you know, that same truth. But anything outside of that, even the gifts of the Spirit, healing, all that stuff, I got, I got lots and lots to grow in. And I'll be growing, and as soon as I stop growing, it's just time, it's time to go home. Time to go home and be with Jesus, not back to my house. <laughs> and I plan on being here for a long time. Unless Jesus comes back. So, <clears throat> verse 5. He looked around at them angler and was angrily. <laughs> angrily? <laughs> I know I make up words sometimes. That's probably not a good one. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot to kill Jesus. Another indicator of, of religion, a religious spirit, a religious tradition, a religious mindset, is that when things oppose the truth that they currently believe, they actually get really mad. <clears throat> it causes anger and not righteous anger. Because some people use that excuse. So like, you know, the one time that Jesus fashioned a whip and went into the, and went into the temple to clear it out because they, were, they had made this thing a, you know, <clears throat> an, an emporium, essentially. <sighs> you know, like indoor garage sale. You know what I'm talking about, emporium, right? <laughs> they, they, oh, we like them. They, <clears throat> they essentially made the temple that. He had good reason to do what he did. People use that excuse, they're like, oh, I just got righteous. You know, and then they always, put, every time they get mad about something like that, uh, or get mad about something within the context of kingdom, they use that as an excuse. I'm like, only did it once. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there was a whole teaching on it. He didn't have it in the Sermon on the Mount. Like he actually said, when somebody slaps you, you know, give them the other cheek. Right? He said, you know, you said, it said to hate your enemies. Now I'm telling you that you're to love them, do good to them, forgive them. <laughs> so it's an indicator that I, I have a religious mindset or a religious stronghold, whatever you want to call it. That when somebody tells me truth that what's in, within kingdom that actually makes me, makes me mad, so mad that I would rather break relationship with somebody than continue on in it. Because I've left the most important thing, which is relationship. And then I'm telling people, actually, a relationship is on the table. And uh, if, if I'm right, we're still good. But if you think I'm wrong, then we're not. <laughs> or if I think you're wrong, this relationship is very fragile, by the way. I just wanted you to know. <laughs> it is dependent upon us agreeing on everything. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all we have around us, the people that completely agree with us on everything, then, then some of us are obsolete. Like we don't, we're not even needed. <laughs> the, the reason I brought that up about the relationship being on the table is because that's what we tell people in, in relationship that we mentor, that we're part of their lives, whoever it is. Any of you guys, this goes for all of you. Like the relationship will never be on the table. The issue will be, we may have something to discuss, but the, it's not depend, our relationship's not dependent upon whether or not we agree on that particular thing. That confrontation that we may have that's going to be healthy confrontation is going to result in us being closer, if you'll allow it to, because it will always, will always allow it to. Right? That's, that's what we've learned. That's what we do. The relationship's not on the table because it is, it is the basis of all things kingdom. 
The kingdom is built on relationship. First, my relationship with him, and then my connection to the rest of the body of Christ. One body, one bride. That's it. Isn't that great? He was saddened by their hard hearts. He was presenting the religious leaders with an opportunity, right? He was presenting them with an opportunity saying through action that the Sabbath was created for man, man not created for the Sabbath. They were holding us a day in a religious tradition above people. That's why he was showing them, you you've went wrong here. You may have went wrong 600 and some odd laws into this thing, but... <laughs> I gave you 10 that were sufficient. <laughs> like you, <laughs> you wanted more, so I'll let you make more. All right? That's why it's still not illegal. I mean, Colossians sa- says it real clear. It's like it's not illegal. Nobody, has to t- nobody can tell you that you have to actually obey a certain day or even celebrate a feast that they still celebrate in Jewish tradition. Like You don't have to do any of that. Your salvation is not dependent upon it. Is it beneficial? I believe it is. I mean, nobody can tell you you got to. I will, I will uh, encourage you to take a Sabbath every week, though. You know why? Because it benefits you. And that's why God created it. But the religious leaders had left that place. And it was no longer about it benefiting mankind. It was actually about whether you obey it or you're in trouble. All right? I can't tell you how many people we've had conversations with when I say, hey, we'd like to... Some of you are going to think I'm talking about you in this room, because, but I can't, I can't use this example without you thinking that, but I'm not. So, is that we've had conversations, we're like, hey, we're going to, we need to meet and, and talk, all right? Or we've got a particular topic, and we're like, hey, we need to, can we, can we meet and talk about this? I can't tell you how many people have thought that they've literally said, I felt like I was going to the principal's office. I felt like I was in trouble. I didn't know what was going on. I was scared. Why? How's that happen? Because experience has taught them that. Because somebody showed them that. That when a leader in your life wants to talk to you, then it's going to be bad. That's not how it's supposed to be. I should be excited and encouraged because we're going to go deeper in our relationship if we're going to have a conversation that's one-on-one. Jesus set the example for that, right? Even when he gave, like Peter, when he stuck his foot in his mouth and all the things that he did and and said that were wrong, what did Jesus do? Even when he denied him three times, what did he do? He pulled him closer to him. He showed him what grace looked like before, before the cross even released grace. And correction brings us closer. If correction ever pulls me, pushes me further away, it was done, it was done in, the, in the spirit or in the mindset of fear. Because your behavior scares me, so I'm gonna, I need to get you away from me. There's a huge problem with that is that the father's not afraid of anything. <laughs> He's not afraid of my behavior, right? He's, not, he's just not scared because love's not, love can't be. And so if I'm going to model what he looks like to the world around me, I need to be able to do it in one-on-one relationships and the ones that I currently have. 
not just loving the atheist or the Satanist or the witch or whoever in that moment into, you know, and, and saying, hey, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to go in your new age shop. I'm going to go into the whatever, your satanic tent booth. I'm going to go, I'll go wherever you're at and I'll love you. I'll get you healed. I'll get you whatever you, whatever you're open to, I'll do. No strings attached. I'll show you that I love you. <clears throat> Those really, I'm not saying it definitely takes love and compassion to do that, but it's a different level when we're already in relationship with somebody. <clears throat> Religion desires to make people conform in splinter relationships because if we don't agree, then we can't be together, right? Because it's about right or wrong, so it's not about relationship. And the religious leaders were telling Jesus that healing was actually works. And he was trying to show them that healing's actually love. It's actually relational connection. I'm connecting this man with a withered hand to the heart of the Father in this moment. You may not see it because your heart is hard, but this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm bringing him into a place that he can actually see what the Father looks like because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you, don't, if you don't believe me, believe me for the sake of the works themselves because it's not me that does them, but it's the Father that's in me. Right? He was pointing to the Father with everything that he said. And he's demonstrating him in his whole life. And that's what we're called to. We've... <clears throat> I've got another scripture for you. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Isn't that good news? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the Spirit of God. And now that we've been born again, we are inside of that Spirit. We live inside of... I, I know that I'm talking about religion and religious tradition... And hear me out, as though, though we don't like law, we just don't like the kind of law that hurt us or that kept us in bondage, right? Because, I, I mean, I came, out of, I came out of bondage right into religion and actually was in, I, I don't know if it's a better kind of bondage. I mean, I wasn't, I may have hurt some folks, but I wasn't, you know, robbing and stealing and hurting people in the same way. <clears throat> so I'm not saying that it's the same kind of bondage, but it was, it was still bondage. I still wasn't completely free. And so, though we don't like law, I, I believe that we were all created to live by, the, by a law. It just wasn't by the one that man created. We were created to live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which actually operates within the law of love. They're inseparable. You, the law, like love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the law that Jesus came with because it says in Romans 13, verse 8 through 10, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. That's good, right? It's the law of love. 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So you see, through Scripture, that we were created to live within law. It just wasn't the one that man tried to put us in, right? Try to force us into something that comes through learned behavior. So it's, I, I believe always it's bad teaching by good people. I had good intentions when I was in religion. I didn't intend to hurt anybody, right? I really, I believed this thing. I gave my life to this thing. Jesus had set me free. I was preaching I was preaching a gospel. I don't know if I was preaching the whole thing, but I was definitely preaching a gospel that would, I believe would, would get people to, to heaven. I just wasn't preaching a gospel that would get people transformed and born again and have a born again experience that would bring them within, out, that would bring them out of the law of sin and death into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus where they could be completely liberated Right? That's what free, it, it's what free means. It means to be, to liberate, that is to exempt from mortal liability. That even in our flesh, we no longer owe the law of sin and death anything. We're going to get to some healing health stuff here in just a second. I'm going to graze over it, but I'm going to touch on it because I, it's, I believe it's impossible not to. So we owe nothing to, even in our, in our, in our flesh. <sighs> Let me propose this. Why would I allow experience from humanity or medical science to dictate how I, how, I, how I live physically as I get older. Medical science was not created to dictate the way that I actually evolve as I get older, up in age, right? It wasn't, cre- it wasn't created so that it would dictate or actually tell me what my experience will be, it was created so that it would complement all things biblical. If it doesn't, then it's not being taught in the way that is kingdom, even though we see medical science all the time catching up to the Bible. All right? This is what I'm talking about. I'll give you an example. When you get old, you get arthritis. When I get old, I'm just going to get withered and frail, and then I'm going to leave this thing, and I'm just going to be barely hanging on, and then I'm going to go to heaven. That's our experience, right? That's our experience. That's what medical science tells me. But I don't find it anywhere in the Bible. You know those guys in the Old Testament lived for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years? In good health. You know Jesus was never sick on the planet. Just because it's not my experience doesn't mean it's not truth. 
And I never allow my experience to trump this right here. This is final authority in my life. I'm not experiencing everything that divine health has to offer me. If you're here Saturday night, you know that. I preached more sermons and ministered healing to more people while I was sick than I can count. So I'm not telling you it's my experience. I'm deeply convicted that it's the truth of the Word of God. And I'm not supposed to go out of this thing crippled and maimed and lame. And, and you know what I mean? That's not, that's not, I don't, I don't see it in there. I'm not trying to condemn you or con, you know, even bring conviction to you. I'm just trying to share the truth of my current revelation that I'm growing in. That the law of the Spirit and life of, in Christ Jesus actually lines up with what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that steals, kills, or destroys my life, even in my physical body or mentally, emotionally, lines up with the enemy. And I'm actually free from that law that came through Adam and Eve making a poor choice back there in the garden, right? In chapter 3 of Genesis, he said, because by the sweat of your brow, you're actually going to, thorns and thistles are going to come up the, from the ground. You're going to operate from this place of hard work. This is, you're going to have to earn this thing. And then grace comes. And he says, you, you can't earn this thing. And so Jesus was saying, it's a new day. And then he wore in Galatians 3.13, it says, Cursed is everyone, that Jesus became a curse for us, because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Check it out. Right? He wore, he, not only did he represent the curse by hanging on that cross, but he actually wore it on his head also. The crown of thorns. They thought you, it could appear at first glance they were doing that just to be mean to him and torture him. But it was all prophetic. It all had meaning because God had a plan. <laughs> and when he wore that crown of thorns on his head, he was saying, look, it's over. And I believe that he was speaking when he said it was finished. I believe what he was saying it was finished too is the law of sin and death. That if you'll come into me, no longer do you have to live by the law of sin and death. That I'll make you whole. I'll heal your whole, every part of you. I'll make you holistic. And I believe that prophetic word, it, it actually, that the blood that went into the ground in that moment still echoes to us today, and it will all the way until Jesus comes back, that every person that wants, wants to be whole can give their lives to Jesus, have a born-again experience, and be the triune being that he created us to be, whole spirit, soul, and body. Amen. The only reason that we were ever in sin, because the law and sin and death actually came upon the planet. But Jesus broke the power of it. Just because I experienced it, and it's been something that was a part of my life, doesn't mean that it's supposed to be forever. ha, ha, ha. It's why I laugh a lot, because I found that there's freedom in the eyes of Jesus. He's taught me, if you'll look into my eyes, just lock eyes with me. If you'll do that, you'll see what I see. And when you see what I see, you'll see how free you really actually are in here. Regardless if it's my experience, you say, well, freedom's not my experience. It's, being completely healed or whole is not my experience. When I won't allow my experience to trump truth, it will transform my mind and I will believe better. And when my beliefs go higher, my experience will go with it. Right? And so it's not about do better, try harder. 
It's literally about believing that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death and every bit of bondage or thing that I may still struggle with, whatever you've got going on in your life, sickness, sin, whatever it is, when I, believe, when I actually begin to meditate on that truth in intimacy with the one who created me for intimacy, it will bring freedom to me. I ain't got to do Christian gymnastics or, or do all the stuff that I've tried to do before my mind should immediately go to what should I believe, not what should I do. Come on, because if I'm just trying to control my behavior, I'm living a life that's not my natural state of being. We lived naturally under the law of sin and death. And now that we've been born again, we are to live naturally in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Come on. This is good. That's why it's good news. <laughs> it's why I laugh a lot because he set me free. Like I never thought I'd be free. You don't know how many times I, I <sighs> every room I was in, every hotel room, every bed I laid down on, I, I knew it was coming. I knew death was coming. It was knocking at the door. Sometimes kicked it in a few times. And how I got out of those places, it was only the grace of God right? It was coming for all of us. I never thought I'd be free. You know what? Unfortunately, when I came into being a Christian for the first handful of years, I wasn't sure I'd ever be free again either from some things. There were some things I was free from, but there's some things I wasn't. <sighs> so no matter what the struggle is today, it wasn't created to be a struggle. It was created to become a belief system that brings me into my divine nature, spirit, soul, and body, so that I don't, I don't just manage. It's not Christian management. I don't just manage my life through this. Is that I actually thrive in every season, regardless of what's going on around me. Jesus thrived in every season, regardless of what was going on. You know, they tried to kill him. You know, they're like, you know, he knew that. A long time ago. <laughs> the whole thing had been played out before him. In my mind, this is what I see. When the conversation is happening in heaven, when they're saying, let's create, you know, he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Let's create man in our image, in our likeness. They'd already made the plan. Already made the plan that Jesus would be our redeemer. That he'd, be, he'd be the one that not got us to heaven, but that would get us to the Father. Because that's what it says in John 14. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to heaven except through me. Is that what he says? Nope. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, the goal was never heaven. The goal was always the Father. <laughs> I'm glad we're stopping trying to get people to heaven and start getting them to the Father. <laughs> That's what we need. That's where we find out who we really are. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this is what I believe. So in the Passion Translation, in the part B of John, chapter, or, uh, John 10, 10, it says, uh, but I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you can expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Abundantly in the Greek means super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. I believe it's for every part of us. The spirit, the soul, and the body. The spirit's already taken care of. Done deal. 
Like, I don't have to do anything to tend to that, really, you know? I spend time with Jesus. I read the Word because I want to know Him more, not just because I have a duty to read it, but I actually want to know the author, right? It's also not about quantity of how much I read. It's about quality of what I read, you know? Every, every revelation ought to bring me into an encounter with the one that originated it, that kind of stuff. And so I, t- I tend to my spirit, so to speak, but actually what I believe that does is it benefits us it be- benefits us mentally and emotionally more than it does anything else because our, we're, we are coming to agreement when we do those things to actually begin to experience the born-again life that we already have. Our new nature is intact. It's in here. And then I begin to discover that as I sit with Him, as I know Him more, as I said, when I lock eyes with Him. I, I, see, I see who he sees me as already. You know, in his eyes, you're, al- you're already the fullness of everything he created you to be. And you have been for a real long time. It shows us, before, it shows us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Like he already did that before the foundation of the world. He already saw us this way. And I believe that he was just waiting with excitement until it happened. And now we're here. And he's like, here, let me help you believe better. <laughs> let me help you not live from your experience. And I know the challenge of that. But I also know beginning to experience the truth of the word Versus the things that have tried to dictate my life in the past that didn't line up with the word. It's relentless pursuit of truth. If I live out of my feels all the time, it's not going, it's not going to, I'm not going to line up with truth. But if I allow my feelings to point me towards what I'm believing, then that's where it's at. So we were created to be whole, spirit, soul, mentally, emotionally. We were created to be completely whole and physically. I'm not leaving this thing limping out of here. I don't believe that that's the way it's supposed to be. That doesn't line up with anything divine. Like Jesus paid for, I don't have time to preach all this. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Probably gone a few minutes too long anyway. I will say this one last thing, just to point you towards the truth and the word. Is that Jesus paid for sin and sickness simultaneously at the cross. It was the same blood. Right? You can't separate the two. Why would he keep healing, folks, if he didn't want us to be whole? (laughs) Come on. He he, He didn't, Jesus' blood didn't atone for sin and sickness so that we could... Get sick, then get healed, get sick, then get healed, get sick, then get healed. I believe it atoned for sin and sickness so that we could be, so that we could come into what the truth is of what the blood really paid for, and that I could actually live whole. Right? You know, some of that actually goes with it's spiritual and it's practical. Y'all will see a Facebook post from me. You don't see very many from me, but you'll see one from me sometime in the next few days that I have allowed the machine of ministry to steal some of my health. I have. 
And if you've ever been in ministry before, you know it can do that. You lay your health on the altar unintentionally, and you just go hard all the time, and you quit taking care of yourself. You run hard, you don't eat right, you quit exercising, right? Because there's practical that goes in with this thing too. We're triune beings, and Jesus expects us to take care of the whole thing, not just the spiritual. It's either holistic Christianity or it's nothing, right? I had a guy tell me the other day, he's like, I, he's like, I couldn't, if you didn't care about your health, I couldn't listen to you give me a spiritual revelation. If you didn't care about your physical health, I think you got no business talking to me about anything spiritual. And I thought, okay. Because he's somebody who believes that it should be about the whole thing. And I'm like, you're right. It was a little abrasive, but I liked it. I can handle that, you know. So I want to take care of the whole thing because he created me to be whole. And now that you and I live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we've been set free from all things religious, all things that sin, the law of sin and death tried to kill us and cripple us with, keep us in bondage to. Freedom's already ours. His name's Jesus and he lives in you. <laughs> it's time for our experience to line up with truth, isn't it? Yeah? And so wherever you're at today, no condemnation, no guilt, we're all growing. I know that. I'll keep saying this to you is that you're, you're further along than you were six months ago, a year ago, right? You're growing. You're believing different. You're believing better. You're believing truth in ways that you weren't before. That's good news. Celebrate your growth as we lean into all that Jesus paid for us to have. Not a little bit. We're not, we are not settling for anything less than Jesus paid for. We refuse to. My gosh, it was a high price. I want it all, right? You guys want it all. It's our inheritance. He wants us to have it more than we, more than we want it. That's the good news. That's the gospel. The born again, new nature gospel. <laughs> Man, if I'm not experiencing full freedom, maybe I ought to get born again again. I'm not telling you you're not saved. I'm telling you sometimes our experience isn't lined up with truth. I just need to get in there with him. Ask him for truth that will bring my experience into the realm that he wants it to. And that I, I would actually begin to forget about myself when I worship him. Just focusing on Jesus. There's really no other things to be, you know, to be preached, to be taught, to be sung about other than Jesus. If it isn't about Jesus or to Jesus, it probably shouldn't be a worship song, right? <laughs> that's why I love our, our team and the songs that they write, so many. And that's what they're, you know, that's what they're doing. Out of their encounters, out of spontaneous moments, we're singing about Jesus and to Jesus. <clears throat> so if you would stand with me and let's, let's pray into this some. <laughs>
to sing that song when I get done praying. I can hear what it is. <laughs> would, would you? Are you willing? Okay. Thank you. Each one of us are in a different place right now in our, in our walk with Jesus. We call it a personal walk because it's our, our own salvation that we're working out with, with fear and trembling <clears throat> or an awe and wonder, all the above. And so wherever this hits you at today, the solution is easy. What do I need to believe, not what do I need to do? You guys have everything that you need to live this life. I have everything I need to live this life divinely whole. Isn't that amazing? He's already given it all to us, regardless of what my experience is. So this will be my challenge to every one of us is to find out where am I allowing experience to speak louder than truth. Maybe you already know. Maybe it already hits you. Maybe it'll hit you at home. Maybe it hit you on the car ride home. Maybe it'll hit you when you wake up in the morning. Whenever it does, whatever it is, it will be an invitation into deeper intimacy with Him to believe better and to experience more of what the born-again life was always supposed to be. (laughs) So, Father, we thank You right now for, for being so incredibly good that You're always inviting us into the more, always inviting us into everything that You already see us as. Holy Spirit, would you make yourself even more real to us in this moment? Would you come with everything that Jesus paid for? If there's a fractured mind or things mentally or emotionally that need healed or bodies that need to be restored, I thank you for being the the spirit of life right now and bringing life into every part of us that needs it. I thank you for our experience beginning to line up with what truth says. I thank you for a room full of people and even people online that will no longer allow our experience to trump the word. That will go after the fullness of everything that you paid for, everything that you demonstrated, everything that you echo from that moment at the cross, Jesus, that it is finished that the law of sin, the curse of the law of sin and death is finished. It's finished. And thank you that it's not just finished for us, but it's finished for all of humanity. And we get the privilege of demonstrating that with you everywhere that we go. So I thank you for the spirit of life showing up in moments throughout this week where we get to pray for a coworker or a stranger see healing happen in somebody's physical body, see somebody get free from torment they've been experiencing in their mind, or see somebody loved in a moment where they just need somebody to listen to them and look at them with love in, their eye, with love in our eyes for them. So thank you for a room full of people that are equipped to love. 
equipped to love. Yeah, Father, thank you for equipping us to love. Help us in this moment as Sarah gets ready to sing over us and the sound that only she can release is going to destroy. I believe it's going to destroy some any religious mindset, religious thinking that you're inviting us in this moment to get free from that. That if our hearts are hard in any area, they would be softened by your love in this moment. And that you'd help us to make it every part of our lives about what it's supposed to be about. About the law of love. About the law of love. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that law, the one you always wanted us to to live by. Thank you.
sometimes, maybe a lot of the time, but now looking through it all the time. The lens of sonship. We thank you, Father. The lens of full acceptance. The lens of unconditional love. We thank you, Father, for that being the lens that we look through, looking forward, keeping our minds on on things above not let an experience dictate our lives any longer. I thank you for hope rising right now in our hearts, that you're the God of all hope. You're releasing hope on the inside of people right now. We speak to every physical body that needs healed, every emotional thing that needs healed. (laughs) We just say, be healed in Jesus' name. Gabriel would say it, Jesus' power, do it. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you for the, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. (laughs) Thank you for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, my gosh. Thank you for everything that you, Holy Spirit, have brought us into as sons and daughters. Thank you for a more full experience of that, 
even this week. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the prayer team's going to be up here to pray with you guys. If you need anything from Jesus, so we want you to, to come on up here. If you just want somebody to pray with you and you're like, I don't even know what I need. I just need somebody to pray with me. Please don't hesitate. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.